Hi, welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beattie, and I'm the proud volunteer of the Madison Senior Center who sponsors this program. Uh, it's a program of, by, and for senior adults. And I'm very happy today. Um, we've got a, a special guest with us, uh, Megan St. Clair. And we're all aware that February is Heart Month in the sense of Valentine's Day. Um, but we've asked her to come because she is a cardiac nurse from Unity Point Meritor, and she's going to talk with us about heart disease and cardiovascular disease today. So welcome, Megan. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Now, you, you say that you have 13, experience, uh, 13 years experience in cardiac specialty, and I'm so glad that you can share that with us today. Um, you said you have a passion for teaching and believe in empowering my patients with knowledge to better participate in their own health care decisions. Well, that's really important, and especially when it comes to this whole area of heart and cardiovascular illness. Um, I understand that's a number one killer. Absolutely. Heart disease continues to be the number one killer here in the United States. Um, as of 2015, it was responsible for over 840,000 deaths ooh, ooh. in that one year, wow. and it continues to rise. Mm -hmm. um, the annual cost of care. We're you know, ever so focused on cost of health care sure. in the United States. And heart disease alone, an estimated $350 billion annually spent on this one disease. Yes. Um, so right. we're talking about a lot of people. And is it more prevalent among older adults or seniors? It does. It is um, more prevalent as we age, um, more common in women. Um, and after the loss of estrogen, our risk factors actually equate between men and women. So okay. neither one of us is safe. Yeah. Um, we, we all have to be aware of absolutely. this. So when you say cardiovascular, that's confusing to me. What, that, does that mean the heart and what else? Uh, absolutely. So cardiovascular is usually is um, used to describe disease of both the heart and the vascular structure. So the veins and arteries leading to and from our heart um, can include things like cholesterol, high blood pressure, as well as blood clots, okay. um, kind of the whole system working together. Okay. So it's just not that muscle that we, we, <laughs> that we focus the heart, the, whole the little heart. heart. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's not just that, but it is all of those systems. And, and when you say cardiovascular, I'm reminding of bypasses uh, for heart disease and that kind of thing. So there, the veins and the arteries and the whole ball of wax. Another important, important topic and why we often um, associate the two during this month is our stroke risk. So oh, yes. uh, stroke okay. being uh, a blockage to the vessels in our brain and our brain tissue um, leading to unfortunate events that yes. we call a stroke. A stroke. And yeah. so we clump those kind of together to bring awareness to that set of warning signs as well. Okay, this month. so, so we're, t we're talking about heart disease and heart attacks and strokes, really, as we're talking about preventing and actions that we can take. Um, you know, what, what do you think are some of the um, warning signs that um, our audience should be aware of and look, uh, look for? Sure. As, uh, so distinct and different, we've kind of um, already brought together the stroke and the heart attack risk, so talking about them separately. Mm -hmm. So a heart attack, often we get cues from media that are very accurate, mm -hmm. oftentimes, but not always. So crushing chest pain, chest pain, pressure, feeling like something is sitting on top of you. I hear patients describe that to me often. Mm -hmm. um, shortness of breath, okay. difficulties taking... Yeah. 
can't can't quite get your breath. You got okay. it. If you're gasping for air and you didn't just get off a treadmill, <laughs> there might be a problem. Okay. Um, dizziness yeah. uh, is another lightheadedness. Dizziness. Okay. Um, sweating. Um, breaking out into a sweat and having any of these other associated symptoms might be a risk factor or a sign rather. Mm-hmm. Um, back pain, jaw pain. Oh my. And pain that radiates down your arm, specifically your left, left arm. arm. Mm-hmm. Is that because the heart is closest to the left? Um, it, it's a, re- a referred pain, if you will. So we don't have nerve endings on the outside of our heart. It's our brain telling us that we're not getting adequate blood flow. And so we we'll sometimes see that. Women in particular? Yes, there, mm-hmm. there's some change, uh, difference between men and women and the symptoms that they may have for heart attack. Women's symptoms tend to be more atypical, more vague, and honestly, we're often to push them off as something else. Um, you know, having chest pressure because you're stressed or short of breath or lightheaded because you're, you know, rushing around to do X, Y, and Z, and we're often uh, quick to shun it off or pass it off, and unfortunately, we're not recognizing that we're having an active heart attack and that we need help. So we really receive delayed care, unfortunately. So wanting to get the word out to women. That that's especially. important to take care of themselves immediately. You got it. Um, you know this this idea of putting symptoms aside, um, thinking that um, I think you had mentioned earlier that you may maybe you slept on your left side incorrectly, and that's why there's a pain there. Yeah. Um, just being more aware that you could be in a risk situation mm-hmm. for that. And absolutely, we would want people to. We'd rather you come in, call nine one one, come into the emergency room, and be sent home with a good bill of health later that day. People get nervous, or I don't want to waste someone's time, or it might be nothing. It's probably nothing. And yeah, that. yeah, that's a dangerous way of thinking mm-hmm. about these these symptoms, isn't it? Um, you said that pain in the jaw. That's an interesting one. I would never have thought of that. Yeah, that's actually a fairly common one too, okay. and another referred pain source. So okay, so that's like the carotid arteries or veins or something that. It's doing that to us? Yeah, not necessarily. It is similar in a similar area per se, but so heart attack, jaw, arm pain, chest pressure, okay. shortness of breath, dizziness, lightheadedness. Okay. And 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 what what's the most immediate thing we need to do? So recognizing our symptoms okay. and applying them. Hey, I might be having a problem, and alerting the emergency response team. So calling 911 is the best thing that you can do if you or a loved one are having these severe symptoms. And again, I'm unfortunate to say people aren't quick to pick up and dial 911 out of fear, not sure what it is. But by doing that, we actually initiate the chain of survival from home. So that dispatcher who's calling EMS, sending them to your home to get basic Uh, information in EKG where we hook up electrodes Mm -hmm. and look at what your heart rhythm is doing Mm -hmm. um, as well as blood pressures and things like that can initiate calling someone like myself at home on a um, cardiac team to meet you at the hospital. So by delaying it and having your son or daughter or neighbor drive you to the emergency room, we're losing out on that first window of opportunity, 30, 40 or more minutes. Um, And that's a lot of time when you're having a heart attack. 
or a stroke. Oh, no, you know, or a stroke. Even, time yeah. is muscle, we okay. say often in the hospital. And our goal is 90 minutes door to balloon time. So oh. we start grading ourselves based off of that. And nationally, we track this data because that's best care. But what you can do as a person at home is initiate that time clock as soon as you notify. Recognize symptoms and call for help. Wow. That's really a good good advice. I know that um, I would feel silly calling 911 and thinking that maybe it was just indigestion. I, you hear that quite yeah. a lot, don't you? That, oh, I, I just ate too much, and that's why I'm kind of feeling this way. But, oh, you just have to be thoughtful mm -hmm. and very smart about this. Um, some of the, um, you had mentioned that the stroke warning signs have uh, this wonderful little fast, F-A-S-T. Act fast. Act fast. Mm -hmm. um, that's face drooping, arm weakness, mm -hmm. speech difficulties, so what's happening with speech? You just can't get the words out? Or? So sometimes it's difficulty word finding, um, not being able to come up with routine things that you know, slurred speech, oh, slurred. or absence of speech, not being able to able talk, to. Um, which is very scary and alarming. So when patients are having these symptoms, um, oftentimes they do become anxious and very agitated. Okay. Um, so we might ask some basic things, repeat the sentence back to me, uh, something simple. It doesn't have to be complex, okay. but if they're not able to do that, that's a 911 emergency. Okay. And then time, time to call 911. So the face drooping, where mm -hmm. is it just usually one side or the other for, with the stroke? Generally, the, all of these symptoms are occurring one-sided. So one arm and one leg weakness. I think you, you'd mentioned you'd seen this in a friend. A neighbor or of mine. A neighbor. Yes. Yeah. She delayed for almost 24 hours, and I was so shocked and mm -hmm. said, you, you need to go someplace. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, the time is muscle, time is brain. So there are some early interventions that we can only offer to patients if they're done within the first couple of hours of onset. If you wait too long, you're not a candidate to potentially open up that vessel that's blocked and saving that, that must, the brain tissue beyond that. So. Okay, so when this happens, when this incident happens, you're losing uh, either brain uh, function or heart function mm -hmm. then. Yep, talking about strokes and heart attacks yeah, separately, right. you got it. Yeah, so the time factor is important. So think of fast. Face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, time to call. Yep, time to okay. call is now. good. And we went through, I think, some of the... Uh, the chest discomfort you talked about, discomfort other areas in the upper body with the, you know, shortness of breath. And there's a lot of other things, like you said, the cold sweats and other things like that. So tell me, um, prevention. Yeah, what can we do about all this bad stuff? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So in the United States, unfortunately, we continue to harp on diet and exercise. Yeah. Um, it's always there. Yeah. And so what can you start doing today, right now, after you're done watching uh, Christine's series is eat healthier for the rest of the day. Right. Fruits, vegetables, soluble fibers. Right. Um, would be something you can do starting Somehow today. Somehow I think we've heard this before, haven't <laughs> we? <laughs> we often know the best medicine and we don't take our own advice, right? We don't, right. So other important things would be to maintain follow-up with your primary care doctors. Okay. Knowing your numbers. Is your blood pressure controlled? 
Right. What is your cholesterol? And if it's not, treat it. Yeah. There's a lot of things we can do to treat your cholesterol from diet to pills to now injectable medications um, that are highly effective in reducing, reducing that as a major risk factor right. for both heart attack and stroke. Right. And uh, the, the whole idea of exercise, even what is the recommended 150 minutes a week, even walking can be it. a great help for people, I would, I would think. I often tell people something is better than nothing. People that, you know, I'm only walking around the block, you know, after dinner, three nights, I might as well skip it. Or something is better than nothing and start small and work your way up. Yeah, I think especially at this time of year, at the beginning of the year, you know, we get all these high fluting ideas about how we're going to run a marathon or something. You know, just walking around the block can be a big help in in this aspect. So we talk about uh, getting help immediately, but also being in touch with your primary physician is another piece of advice you suggest too. And that's uh, where you can get those important numbers and keep track of it. Um, high blood pressure over one, 130 over... So the American Heart Association has recently reduced our guidelines. So 120 over 80, that used to be that gold standard, is okay. now considered prehypertensive. Um, wow. So we're holding ourselves to a higher standard. Um, and we have, oftentimes when we see approaching 130s, we'll do mild things like diet and exercise first. Um, yeah. first. The less, to, yeah. less is more mm-hmm. um, before we start adding medications and agents to kind of help us with that. Unfortunately, sometimes diet and exercise and our best intentions is not going to out, outbeat grandma's gene pool. That's and, right. So we That's might right. just be prone to have high blood pressure, and it's important. Yeah. Um, do, do you think people also should take into account family history, I would assume? Absolutely. Yeah. For all of these risk factors. All right. Family Good. history of heart attacks, strokes, increase our own risk. We're, we're born with an increased risk yeah. for a strong family history. Megan, thank you. That's a lot of information, but don't wait is a good piece of advice for all of the people listening. Thanks so much for being with us, Megan. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. We'll be right back with Senior Beat.
Hi, welcome back to Senior Beat. Uh, our, ga our guest for the second segment is Ingrid Cunninger, and she is the project manager for the Senior Medicare Patrol Program, uh, which is a statewide program. Absolutely. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, We're I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here because I think we got a lot of good information Absolutely. for people. Um, one of the things I, I've... Uh, uh, been shocked in terms of our conversation and we've been emailing back and forth is um, the impact of Medicare fraud in this country. Absolutely. Um, the projections right now in terms of estimated dollars lost to the Medicare program on an annual basis because of errors or fraud or abuse are estimated to be about $60 billion. So I'm going to say that again. That's <laughs> billion with a B. B. Lots of zeros. I think we said nine, nine as we were talking zeros. about that. Wow. So that has a huge impact on healthcare delivery in the country and how people wow. access that and you know dollars that are lost fraudulently that could be spent in so better ways. So much better. Most definitely. For positive good. Most yes, definitely. absolutely. Well, so you are... Um, have been working uh, as the project manager of the Senior Medicare Patrol for how long, Ingrid? Um, about 18 months. Okay. So we, um, at the organization, we are just getting started hosting this event or hosting this program in the state of Wisconsin. Senior Medicare Patrol, SMP, has existed since the 1995 okay. at a federal level. So okay. all 50 states as well as four U.S. territories have a Senior Medicare Patrol program. Good. Good. Um, and we all share the same mission. And that mission is to educate and empower Medicare beneficiaries, their family members, and caregivers, and teach them how they can protect themselves from Medicare fraud, how they can detect and then report those things. And we do that in a couple of different ways. We do that through outreach. So when there are health fairs or senior centers are hosting wellness expos or that sort of thing, sure. we'd love to be included in that sort of a oh, situation. I know a lot of times senior centers will have health fairs, yes. and that would be yes. a place where you would be yeah. able to talk to a yeah. lot of people at one time. Absolutely, and let people know that we're here as a resource. Many people aren't aware of that, and we don't want to be the best-kept secret as it relates to that. We want people to be able to reach out to us. Sure. And is there a contact for the Senior Medicare Program or Patrol that you could uh, tell us about? Yes, we do have a toll-free helpline number that anyone can call for information. If you feel that you were a victim of a scam, maybe you answered that phone number or that phone call and the person was offering you all these great <laughs> back braces or knee braces, and you thought maybe it was too good to be true, but she was so convincing, or he and on the so phone, nice. and so nice, and so <laughs> eager to help you that you accidentally shared your Medicare number. You can reach our toll-free number, and that number is 888-818-818. 2611 okay. and um, we can help with that so professionals can call if they have questions any anyone can call with that with that information do they normally get you on the phone they then? do at the moment normally get me so that's uh, I'm Ingrid you can talk to me on the helpline and you're also um, very nice and I helpful. try to be nice and helpful and you know we just I just want to let people know that it's okay it happens to everyone yeah um, from PhDs to people that maybe don't have post high school. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. I often, I spoke with one gentleman in Wisconsin and the first thing he said to me after I answered the phone was, how do you fix stupid? Because I was just stupid and here's what happened. And he, he knew that he yeah. shouldn't do that. But as we said earlier, they're so good at what they do 
that suddenly thought, well, maybe this is okay. You know, there was mention of, I've already talked to your doctor, which of course was not true, but it just starts to sound really good. And if you're having pain or need some sort of equipment to help you, you might share that information. Right. So I'm going to help you with next steps. I'm going to remind you that it's usually not a good idea to share that information over the phone, your Medicare information, your Social Security information. Isn't it the, the rule that if somebody is calling yes. you, you, yes, you don't know who that is, who that is. If you've initiated that phone call and you know that you have placed a phone call to Medicare or whomever or that the, might be, or to the doctor's office, or, or to Medicare Patrol. Exactly. Then you can feel comfortable giving giving your, that information if it's asked of you. Right. If you're answering the phone just out of the blue on a Wednesday afternoon, and someone starts asking you a bunch of healthcare questions, mm -mm. and you're not really sure what the deal is with that, here's the deal. Hang up. It's probably <laughs> bad news. <laughs> it probably is bad news. Well, tell me. Um, you, now, is this, it's not just you, but is it a cadre of other employees or volunteers, or how does the patrol work? Sure. And so in the state of Wisconsin, um, I'm serving as the project manager, and then we have a volunteer coordinator that works Great. with us as well, because the program is only as successful as the volunteers that we have engaged as a part of right. our team. Right. So we are two staff who have a responsibility to share this information with as many Wisconsin Medicare beneficiaries, family members, caregivers, professionals as possible. And there's 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin. That's a, a large area, a lot of people you to reach. I, as much as I'd like to think I can, no, you I can't. can't. So we really rely on volunteers, as do all of the programs across the country. Sure. That was kind of the intent when the program was started, that it would be grassroots, it would be boots on the ground in local communities of right. people who were either already Medicare beneficiaries who were appalled at the amount of waste. fraudulent activity and right. waste within the program that would be willing to share with someone else of a and similar those, age, hey, could, be aware, don't answer the phone if you don't recognize the number. Right. I mean, the message is quite simple. Well, and, and the, in the community, uh, those volunteers may know yes, those. Absolutely. And I think sometimes doesn't it, um, doesn't Medicare fraud sometimes happen with isolated individuals, perhaps? Absolutely. More often. Yeah, with, most, I mean, they're, they're tr you know, relying on fraudulent, they're looking for the most vulnerable people. Right. So those are folks, as you mentioned, who are isolated, who maybe you don't talk to a lot of people. You're just I, so, sure. so a friendly person on the phone yeah. who's suddenly very interested in your personal life and your, your grandchildren and, and your health. I mean, you want to talk to them. And so we want to share that message with as many sure. folks as possible. And people in local communities know how to reach those folks in different ways that make right. the most sense in their community. Yeah. And, and that, that is really a, um, um, the peer-to-peer -peer connection, I yep. think, is very satisfying for yep. those people who are engaged in it. Um, so we we were talking, and you you I think you kind of alluded that to that idea of protect, detect, mm -hmm. and then report. So let's let's just go through those sure. three. Sure. So when we talk from our educational message, when we say protect, we're encouraging you to if you have a caller ID and you don't recognize the number that's calling. Don't answer it. Save yourself all of that hassle. If you don't have caller ID or if it drives you crazy to listen to a phone ring before you see who it is, um, if you do answer that phone, um, not to share personal information. If you realize quickly that you're not sure who's calling, if, if they're saying they're calling on behalf of Medicare 
or Social Security or the IRS, those governmental agencies are never contacting people right. via the phone. So that's perfectly fine to hang up. And yeah. I know that that's sometimes hard for people. We've been taught to be polite on the phone <laughs> and answer questions. Midwesterners are exactly. known to be Midwest polite. Oh, I would never hang up exact, on someone. I'm here to tell you it's okay to hang up. <laughs> it's more than okay, because it's going to cause you all kinds of trouble. Right. And they are not being polite to you, so you're hanging up is kind of and the best way to handle that. And sometimes there's that, that um, interesting little lag. Mm -hmm. You answer the phone, you say hello, mm -hmm. and there's okay. this... Pause. There's a wait, and that gives you a clue that it's probably computer-generated yes, phone exactly. call. Just Shoop. hang up. Yeah. Just Shoop. don't even interact yeah. with yeah. whomever or whatever is trying to contact you. Right. So that's the main message as far as protect. protect. Just protect yourself. Don't even get involved in it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of detection, we encourage people to really look at their statements. Um, if you're on Medicare and you, re you would receive a quarterly statement from Medicare called your Medicare Summary Notice mm -hmm. that is simply going to list all of the claims that were filed in that three-month period with your Medicare number. So that should be a really quick run-through for yeah. you. And to only be able it's to quarterly. Just quarterly, so it's, so it's just that three-month window. Four times a year. Exactly, so that you can just quickly scan through and make sure that that report that Medicare has is accurate. Sometimes right. we get calls from people who suddenly have um, claims on their Medicare summary notice for places in Tennessee. And this, the gentleman says, ma'am, I've never been in Tennessee, so this couldn't be me. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna, that gives us an opportunity to connect with the provider, ask questions, give them an opportunity. Maybe it was an error. The, mm -hmm. medic, the healthcare system is complicated. Yes, so is. errors are not out of the realm of possibility as right. it relates to this. Right. Um, so we're gonna ask them to, to get a chance to fix that. If not, we'll go, We'll take the next step. So sure. really looking at that, be a good healthcare consumer, right. be your own best advocate, open those statements, pay attention you know, to you, those things. We were things. saying earlier that sometimes we just get so intimidated by the, mm -hmm. we just toss yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take a deep breath, ask questions. You can call the senior Medicare patrol if you're opening that and there's some concerns on there sure. or something that doesn't seem quite right. Um, I may ask for a copy of that so that we're looking at the same document, but then we can take those next steps. And then report. And report. So that's if you know, you. that's me. Call <laughs> us. That toll-free helpline number Do it again is 888-818-2611. So if you have concerns and you are just not sure, you'd feel better having talked to someone, give us a call. We'll talk about next steps, what we might suggest in terms Good. of what to keep an eye on in the coming days and weeks. And then if it is something that we suspect to be fraudulent, we'll take those next steps and report that to the Office of Inspector General at the federal level for investigation. Wow, great. You know, I, I do want to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about the volunteers. Absolutely. What you're talking about sounds really interesting. I know that um, I've seen you with a volunteer at a health fair mm -hmm. at one point point. Um, sounds kind of exciting to be out there and talking to people. Do you have to know all about Medicare to be a volunteer? You don't have to know about Medicare to be a volunteer. You just have to be interested in the message and trying to be part of the solution as it relates to yeah. Medicare fraud across the country. Yeah. We provide all of that training and guidance and support for you mm -hmm. to be successful as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking for volunteers across the state, but especially in the greater Madison area in yeah, Dane yeah, County. We, we don't have any right now, which I'm is surprised. okay, but we'd love to have them. There's a great um, aging network here in Dane County and a lot of opportunities, I think, for us oh, to okay. share this message, yeah. and we'd love to have people 
who are interested in helping us. So yeah. volunteer opportunities would mean helping us make sure that information about our program is in key areas, yeah. senior centers, senior dining sites, other areas where brochures or other information are available so sure. that people know that we're available. Right. As you mentioned, we're looking for volunteers who might be willing to staff a booth with us at a health fair so sure. that you're interacting one-on-one. -on -one. That sounds like Share. fun, It is. You, you get meet to meet a lot of people and, and hear a lot of fun and... stories and chit-chat. Sure. Yeah. And then we're also looking for volunteers who might be interested in giving presentations, either in a small group or a larger group to, you know, maybe they're a part of um, a group at a senior center or they're part of a sure. group from their housing community that they'd like to just share this information with, as simple as that. Yeah. So. Um, again, we would provide all that information. You don't have to be an expert on any of those. I certainly am not an expert. I'm learning everything as everyone else is. It's fascinating, but it's also it's a big problem. So this is something that we can do to have an impact on that. And again, would that number be the same number that you've given? Yes. yes. And and so if a, a, one of our audience members was interested, they could call they you could and talk to call, you. And, yep, and yeah. we'll get you in contact with our volunteer coordinator and talk about the next steps. And her name is Molly. And her name is Molly. Mm -hmm. She's also very friendly, so <laughs> don't hesitate to give us a call. You know, I think that would be very satisfying as a volunteer mm -hmm. job to uh, be able to make sure that people are not... Um, uh, not being taken advantage of, yeah, and um, you know this this business of sixty billion dollars. If you could make even a little dent mm -hmm. in that, that would be worthwhile. Absolutely, excellent. Well, thank you. Protect, detect, and report. Absolutely, and. Um, that's what we want. Thank you for being with Thanks us. For and I'm going to say it again. This is the Senior Medicare Patrol. Yes. And um, you're not only helpful and friendly, but you're also interested in having some people help you. Absolutely. If you're interested in learning more about those volunteer opportunities, we'd love to talk more about that with you. Thank you so much. See you next month on Senior Beat.